Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Thankful Lord for His blessings. Uh, let us turn tonight right, right to our study. That is going to be different, as it usually is. <laughs> Lord help me. But anyway, in the book of Genesis, uh, I've chosen to turn to chapter two, and I'm going to read two verses here to begin with, verses eight and nine. Uh, which is, to me is very interesting. I, quite frankly, had never looked at this passage and this matter, this subject, uh, quite like this before. Anyway, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. If we let our minds kind of soak, up, soak this up and imagine what took place here, the Lord God planted a garden. God is eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's, uh, uh, anyway, God planted a garden. Wonder what kind of seeds he used. Was no. That hadn't been invented yet with some Henri Feller. But anyway, God, the Lord God, planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man which he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. That's what he planted. And good for food. And then the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We at, at this point, of course, can only read what we read here and imagine what we can imagine here. But what a, what a beautiful place this had to have been. Again, it's, it's beyond our comprehension to, to really identify with what Adam and eventually his wife was able to enjoy. Sin was an unknown three-lettered word. Experience, hatred, envy, strife, and all those things that we are associated with here in this, in this world. And as you're aware, of course, the terrible tragedy that has been in the news somewhat about those nuts down in New Zealand that uh, killed, what was it, 49 or 47 people, what it was, a crazed maniac. And uh, another thing that is in the news as well continues to come to the news and needs to be uh, blasted quite a bit is the brazenness, the uh, boldness, the stupidity, I don't know the right word I need to use, that is being advocated now of not just abortion, but killing the baby afterwards. It's, it's yeah, it, does, it doesn't, and of course that, Feller in Virginia, that governor, I can't, imagine, I can't understand why he's still in office. I, can't, I, I, I don't understand why the people didn't rise up. Somebody put on the 
Facebook some time ago about this crazy Cassie old feller or gal. And somebody said she's dumb. And I thought, no, that's not the dumb ones. The dumb ones are the ones that voted for her. That's the dummies that put something like that in the office. That just doesn't make sense. But anyway, now, hey. I don't know. Yeah. Let it lay on that table till they decide what to do with it. Hmm. Well, I've already read the back of the book, and I know what's going to happen to them <laughs> if they don't change their way. Uh, I read uh, again in the news somewhere, uh, just again recently, I think it was New Mexico, I believe, when, uh, and, and don't take this the wrong way, you Democrats, but... So many Democrats crossed the line and voted with the Republicans in Mexico against this, this to kill a bill that surprised the governor, that kind of bill where you could kill the baby after he's born, whatever, even. But anyway, don't let me go there, Lord. It's up to you, Waltz. Uh, <laughs> but... Life, life is too cheap today, folks. Life is too cheap today. And these are just know, a couple of things we just throw in. And I, I, I just I do that because to make the contrast between the way it was, the way God had it, the way God wanted it, I guess we could say. Life, in fact, of course, some of us have been around long enough. We know that life used to be simple. Or at least simpler. And it used to be considered precious. But what's happened to this world of ours since Eden? God's will, his perfect plan was for man to live in peace, to live in harmony, to live with his favor, his blessings upon them. That's the way it was in the beginning. Now, we can only imagine what it's like to live there in that garden uh, before the introduction of sin. But what we can read and what we can imagine, it had to be a, a beautiful place. You know, the Bible says concerning this couple, they were naked and not ashamed because they didn't know what shame was. They didn't know the feeling of shame nor sin. Now, what stirred up my curiosity that I hadn't really considered before is this our, our text, the garden, God planted a garden, the garden, the root word from uh, this term garden is taken from, to mean, the root word from which the Hebrew is taken means to hedge about, to defend, to protect. That's where God placed them in a protected place and in a protected environment. I don't think, and again, this kind of puzzles my mind somewhat because at that time, there was no evil. So protected from what? 
Maybe it's not so much protection from something as protection in something to feel security. I have no reason to be afraid. I feel security. I don't need to lock my boats, my doors, because there's no boogers in Medora. You know, now I'm not saying I do that. I'm saying that I don't do that. I'm saying that's, that's the feeling of security. No fear, no fear. Walk through a jungle and pet a lion on the head. That's security. Uh -huh. But anyway, the root word means defend. In the, in the word Eden, the garden Eden, listen to this. The word Eden means pleasure. It means delight. It means delicate. So it was a garden of pleasure and delight that was surrounded with defense. Our defense. Now, this is what God prepared for man and placed man in it, and that was God's plan for his life and for his continuance. There's nothing in the written law there that God said, now when you sin, he didn't say that. He just said, if you eat, there are going to be some consequences. The garden was a place that was filled with pleasure and uh, a delightfully delicate place for man to live in. And he had the privilege of just living there. Again, we read this and, and, and we think man was created on that sixth day. He sinned the seventh day, got kicked out the eighth day. It doesn't say that. I don't know. I, I don't have the least idea about how long man was there. I have no idea. But let me, let me share with you three passages of Scripture in which this uh, Hebrew word defend uh, is taken, which, which is from the word garden, garden. First of all, in 2 Kings 19 and 34, the Lord says, for I will defend this city. And that's your word garden. You're in this garden. And God said, I'm going to keep you safe. To save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then another, just three places, another place in, in Isaiah 31 and verse 5, the Lord says, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts garden Jerusalem. Defending, gardening, also he will deliver it and passing over, he will preserve it. I'm defending. I got you all hedged in. And then one more, Zechariah 12 and verse 8. Here's a beautiful because Zechariah is speaking prophetically and looking forward to the end. In that day, in that day, the end time, the, the, the day of the Lord's coming, in that day shall the Lord garden the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David. <laughs> he that's feeble is going to be like David. I'm going to shout like David shouted. I'm going to run like David ran. In the house of David, shall be as God. Isn't that awesome? The house of David shall be as God and the, as the angel of the Lord before them. Now, again, we have no way of how long man enjoyed that environment, that garden, being hemmed in, if you will, fenced and surrounded with, with God's presence until the devil, the old serpent, slithered in somehow uh, and... and told them that it's all right to eat that forbidden fruit. And the rest of the story, of course, is history. But while man was in the garden, he was fenced, a place of protection. His mind, though, 
I guess we could say, was his mind. God, he'll keep you in, but it's up to you whether you stay in. It's a wonderful feeling of uh, consolation, of security to be in the church, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no feeling like it. To, be, to receive the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, there's no feeling like it. Nothing to compare with it. Amen. But just because we've been born again, that doesn't assure us that we got it made. Because the devil is going to try harder than he's ever tried before to cause us to go back to the weak and the beggarly elements of this world. But I am determined... Now, what happened in that garden once man and his companion were driven out, again, we, we really have no way of knowing a lot, but we do know that the paradise that man enjoyed, however long it was he enjoyed it, it became off limits to him. As God put cherubim around that place, wherever it was, however big it was, God put cherubim around it to make sure that man would never get back to that tree of life. Never get back. Now, the unique difference, if I may make a crude comparison or illustration, the unique difference is that uh, we got a bunch of papers here that's representing prodigals. They've left. They can come back. They can come back. Thank God for God's mercies. Now, let me step aside a little bit. I put it in my notes here because... And I put it here as a side note. So I'm going to say something that's not in the, in the general theme about a garden, okay? As a side note, I believe, this is M.L. Walls, chapter 6. I believe that some 1,656 years later, that's when the great deluge took place after uh, Adam's day. I don't, now think about it now. God's put these cherubs around this garden. He's got, he's got this beautiful garden. It's a beautiful garden. It's got the tree of life in the middle of it. As long as Adam could eat of that tree, he could live on and on and on and on. But I don't believe that when that great deluge come and covered this earth, I don't believe those cherubim drowned. And another thing, one step farther in, don't. You can, you can chew on this and spit it out, but anyway, you shouldn't. I don't believe that tree of life drowned. I don't know about that other tree. I'm not concerned about that one. But the Bible tells us, here's, here's my reason, I guess. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 and chapter 22, excuse me, Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what it says there. He showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there, what? A tree of life? The tree of, is there more than one tree of life? Is there more than one cross? Is there more than one church? Is there one, more than one way of life? 
the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That which for, was for life to man in the garden will be life for those who will be privileged to live on the new earth in that tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Now, you didn't say amen, so you just, you're chewing on it. But that's my, that's my, that's my thinking. And I've read through the years. I have no tell how many years I've read different ones say they're going to find the Ark of the Covenant. I remember a preacher used to go all across the country preaching uh, prophecy services and said he'd been there with the archaeologists and searching for it. And he said maybe the next brush stroke was the expression he used. It'll be found. It's kind of like that red heifer. Just keep on looking. And I, I, they, they claim that the Jews, so I've been told, the Jews claim that it's there in Jerusalem underneath somewhere, one of those, whatever you call them. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm from Missouri. I'm stubborn. I got to be shown. But I could show you a verse in Revelation as well where the Bible says heaven was open and he saw the ark. <clears throat> Let's go on, please. Okay, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm diverting too much. I just got 22 minutes and 12 seconds left. Uh, Jesus told us prior to his crucifixion in John chapter 14, you know that passage of scripture. In fact, I'm not going to take time to read it. You can read it up there. But he said, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he tells us, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to, what God had in the beginning for man, it's going to be tomorrow. I'm going to prepare a place. He's preparing us a garden, if you will. He's preparing us a place of refuge. Our world becomes more corrupt with every passing year. And as a child of God, we have a wonderful assurance that one of these days, I'm going to say goodbye to this world, goodbye. And the Lord's going to come for his church, and we're going to go home to be with him. Amen. we be through with the chaos and confusion in this world, sin and, and sickness and all that is with it. The apostle Peter, listen to what he said in chapter 3 of Second Peter, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing. That's an awesome statement. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come unto repentance. If we are lost, if we don't make the rapture, if we don't, we'll not be pointing a finger at God, nor will, well, we might point a finger at somebody else, but really it's going to be our fault. It'll be up to us. Uh, if we are lost, we're lost by choice. It won't be by the Lord's choice. Uh, he has a garden. He has a beautiful paradise that he's planning, if you will, for his people and he's going to take us there one of these days. Amen. Man lost his right and his privilege of that garden because of sin. But what's going to happen tomorrow is sin's going to be gotten rid of. That slithering dragon or serpent is going to be put in his place forever and ever. And the Lord's going to reign king as kings and lord of lords. And we're going to have peace and joy and life. Amen. And then verse 10 of that 2 Peter 3, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
And then listen to what as Peter describes it. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I tell you what, God's looking at a world, looking at an earth, a planet, this earth, that is becoming more corrupt and more chaotic as the days go by. He, mankind is scarring. He is fil making filthy this creation. Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah, spoke about when God created, he created it. He didn't create it wasteful. He created it beautiful, beautiful, if you will. And, and anyway, he is looking at it as some 6,000 years since man was graced to live upon this earth uh, and was driven from that beautiful garden. But there is a limit as to how, man's, how long man's going to exist on planet earth. There are those that have us to believe that the world be destroyed. I know I'm on that subject again. Global warming. I don't believe it for a split second. Amen. But we hear their voices almost every day. It's become a political issue. But it's also become a money-making issue of people like Al Gore. Gorey feller. Uh, let me read you something. And it, it, uh, I got shocked today, quite frankly, surprised. I had to take a little trip anyway, uh, and I was coming back home, and I was listening to <coughs> Rush. <laughs> Can I tell? I, maybe I better not. <laughs> Can I tell? Tell? I was tell a joke, a, a story on Sister. Bless her heart, she's sweet. Sister Hope Elkins. I love that woman. She's so sweet. Uh huh. But anyway, we were sitting in an airport terminal one time, going, I don't know where, but going somewhere, and, and the issue of global warming come up, and she was talking about it, you know, evidently thinks it's gospel. And I said, I know what Sister Elkins' problem is. What? You don't listen to Rush Limbaugh. She said, no, or Dr. Laura either. <laughs> but anyway, I wrote something down days ago uh, that I, I don't know where I picked it up. But anyway, let me read it for you. A United Nate and, and Rush read this today. I didn't give it to him. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, a United Nations senior environmental official stated that entire nations would be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend is not reversed. I left out the rest of it. You know, when he said this, he said if it's not reversed by the year 2000. <laughs> and he said that on uh, June the 29th, 1989. Boy, was he off pace. Get your face out of the gutter, feller. We know that didn't happen. But the earth is going to undergo a tremendous renovation uh, uh, somehow, some way. In verse 11, Peter said, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Because the Lord is coming back. Cataclysmic events are going to take place on planet earth. And our concern should be make, to make sure that we are ready. We are ready. I know we could debate about going through the tribulation, not going through it, going through half, don't go, go, you know, we could debate that, but it doesn't matter as far as being ready 
you're going to need as much Holy Ghost to go through as to go up. Amen. And I think I've got enough to go up before. But anyway, in verse 12, that same chapter in 2 Peter 3, he said, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens uh, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. God is, uh, through the apostle Peter, is describing what's going to take place to planet earth, the day of the Lord. Just as when man was building that tower of Babel in, book, in Genesis 11, I know we could say, the world's going to be destroyed. Man's going to destroy this world. No, no. Even if he does create cataclysmic events and whatever, this world's not going, this planet's not going to be destroyed because God made it. And do you think man looking down, do you think God looking down on, 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 on these creatures that he created that have gotten to this place and condition, do you think he's going to just sit back and say, all right, tear it all up? Destroyer? No, that's God's creation. It's not going to be destroyed. It's going to be recreated or renewed. Maybe I should say not recreated. In Revelation 8, oh, I wish I had another. Revelation 8, just to give you an idea here, what a, another in verse, uh, in verse 3 of chapter 8, another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer given to him much incense he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne the smoke of the incense which came up with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand the angel took the censer filled it with fire of the altar cast it into the earth there were voices there were thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded. There followed hail and fire mingled with blood that they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up. All green grass was burnt up. The second angel sounded. It was as a great mountain uh, burning with fire was cast into the sea. The third part of the sea became blood. Third part of the creatures in the... This is awful, folks. This is awful. Now, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, again, meteorites? I don't know. Cataclysmic uh, nuclear explosions? I don't know. I don't, maybe this is the process that, that, that was taking place in Babel, man's ultimate inventions and ideas and his, his own efforts. Maybe that's what's happened there, uh, happening there. I don't know. But my point is, regardless of what man does to kill himself and a thousand million others, one of these days God's going to step in. He's going to come down. He's going to, he's going to get the keys and, 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 and destroy all the toys of man and the influence of man. Oh, my, help me, Lord. In Second Peter, also this uh, th chapter 3, verse 13 says, and listen to this, and this is, this is where I'm getting to. Nevertheless, finally, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, <laughs> hallelujah, after describing all of these things that's going to happen, that's not the end, folks. That's not the end. All of these cataclysmic events that destroy millions. In, in one place it says a third of men or a third of population is, 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 is destroyed, whatever. Uh, and, and anyway, uh, here Peter says, nevertheless, we... According to his promise, what do we do? We look for what? New heavens and what? And a new earth. Praise God. We're in what? 
dwelleth righteousness. Where's the devil? He's in that bottomless pit. And a special angel has gotten him. God's called him, and that was his, his responsibility. He got a big old chain and a big old lock and a big old key, and he's got that booger, that devil, that Lucifer, that Satan, that old dragon, and he's put him in this bottomless pit, this abyss. He's closed it up and locked it good and tight, and the key's in his hand, and he's going to stay there for a thousand long, wonderful millennial years. And then the king's going to reign, king of kings, and you and I are going to be involved in that wonderful tomorrow. Eden's going to come back. The garden's coming back. Peace is coming back. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. In Revelation 21, yeah, in Revelation 21, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's what Peter said was coming. For the first heaven, the first earth, were passed away. There was no more sea. Mm -hmm. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride. Oh, my, what a day that's going to be. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And listen to verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be, there shall be no more. Say it. No more sorrow. No more crying. Neither shall be any more. Nor the, for the former things are passed away. Sounds like Eden to me. Sounds like paradise to me. Hallelujah. Sounds like we're going back to where we all started from. <laughs> Woo! Don't you want to go? And then in verse 5, notice, let me go on, please. He that sat upon the throne, and we know who that is. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, unto John, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now going back again to 2 Peter 3, please, in verse 14. Peter says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, listen to that, be diligent that you be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, help me. I wanted something else here, but I'm, I'm running out of time. Thank you, Lord. There is a, let me jump ahead. Sister Grace, can you jump with me? You're a good jumper. I know you are. Let me, let me, let me jump ahead to, uh, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. No, let me back up. Can you re-jump? There's a passage I wanted to read because of something it says, in, but I'm going to read it all, but in, it's in the book of Isaiah chapter 65 where Isaiah 
is describing the conditions that are going to be in, in that day, in that uh, wonderful millennium. Uh, and, and create all new heavens, new earth, form them shall not be remembered nor come into mind. That's verse 17. But jump down, Sister Grace, jump down to verse 20. And that, listen, read that verse, will you? She, she, can you imagine that? There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man <laughs> that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner being an old, being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Now, isn't that something? My, my, what in the world is he talking about? Some, I looked at some more translation. Moffat says, no babe shall die there anymore in infancy, nor any old man who has not lived out his years of life. He who dies youngest lives 100 years. Anyone dying under 100 years must be accursed of God. The uh, Anchor Bible uh, translator put it, no longer will there be an infant of only a few days nor an old man who has not filled out his life. A boy who dies at the age of 100 and the sinner who dies at the age of 100 will be thought accursed. Now, I know we're thinking here maybe, uh, well, uh, how can there be any curse there? Well, we're talking about the millennium. The devil's bound. That's it. He's just bound. But living on this earth, the only reason there's not crimes going on and murders and mayhem going on is because the devil is bound. The sin, the seed of sin is still in his heart of so many. And so there's going to be some dying. I don't want to die. I don't plan on dying. You don't plan on dying because there won't be any dying on the church because we're glorified. But to those that's living anyway, I just wanted to throw that at you because I thought that was interesting. If you die at 100, you see longevity of life is going to be restored or replaced like they did back in, back in those olden days when Noah, what was it, Methuselah lived, what, 900 plus years? My, my. I don't know about living that long, but anyway. But Zechariah 14 and 9, the Bible says, Zechariah said, The Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord. And his name, one. His name is Jesus. Amen. I like one more verse, the last one, Sister Grace, in, in Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10. When he had taken the book, the four beasts, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. I want to help sing that song. Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and Medora, Indiana and nation and has made us unto our God, hallelujah, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. With all that's taking place, don't, don't, don't give up, pilgrim. Don't, don't give up. 
Don't let your lower lip sag, sag down, lest you step on it. Don't do it. Keep heart. Keep the faith. Keep looking up. The Lord is coming. His promises are going to be fulfilled. With all that's taking place in, in our world, how much longer can it be? How much longer have we got to run? How much longer, how many more times do we get to come to church? How many more times do we get to praise him? How many more days before we hear something we've never heard before? Amen. The trumpet sound. And we're going to feel a wonderful, wonderful change that we've never felt before. And a tug that we've never felt before. Amen. We want to leave these things behind. Because he's got a brand new robe. Amen. Waiting for us. A brand new body waiting for us. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Anytime. Anytime. Amen. You see, what was shall be. That's our hope. That's his promise to restore, to renew, to cleanse, and to create all things new. All things new. Mm. Let's go back to Eden. Let's go back to paradise. The only thing is not going to be a, so many 40, 11 acres in the Middle East somewhere around Iraq or someplace. No, it's going to be in Medora, Indiana. It's going to be all over this earth, this whole world. How was it the prophet said that the earth should be filled with righteousness? Is that what it says? As the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. I want to be here. I want to enjoy it. I want to hold on and not let go. I want to live in that garden that's got a big old fence around it. <laughs> and I know who's on the inside. It's not only you and you and you and you, but also the Lord God himself said he's going to dwell with us. He's going to reign with us. Praise God. Would you stand and let's praise him for his goodness. Thank him for his blessings. Thank him for his promises. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his assurance. My God, thank you for your promises. Promises that are yea and in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for the hope we have as an anchor of the soul that's sure, that's steadfast, that's immovable. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set a day.